You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug Branson at Doug Branson NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, and fantasy sports. Dwayne Bacon, one of the very few Hornets we haven't featured yet. I think we might just be done with all the guys on the roster. Billy Hernan Gomez we haven't done yet, right? Oh, we forgot about Billy. We forgot about Billy. Well, we'll get to him later, right? Yeah, we'll get we'll, to him next week. Yeah, we'll get to him. No no doubt we'll get to uh, to Billy Hernan Gomez later on. But Dwayne Bacon, the guy that we dedicate this podcast to, at least as our player evaluations go. A couple of things to address first. One, Dwight Howard giving some hot takes on Dwight. Sizzling. You were. Burns a little bit. I and and look, this is and this is something we talked about on the last show. I didn't realize how much fire it was until the wake-up call, again, who I co-host for in the mornings on 7.30 the game. Bobby tweets it out. A quote from me, I guess, is fire. I should I should probably read the, read the quote from you. All right, go ahead. All right. Dwight Howard is gone if they have <laughs> an opportunity at Walker Mail on his biggest takeaway from the James Borrego press conference. And I don't... <laughs> And I don't even know if that was my biggest takeaway, but it certainly was something. It's tweeted out. It's whatever. I'll, I'll I won't sue the station. So I think I I don't think there was anything controversial about that, right? I mean, maybe maybe it's just that it is so black and white how I put it that Dwight Howard is gone. That it's just that kind of force that makes you think and, and makes you think about it a little bit more, makes you pay attention. But Doug, didn't you say the same kind of thing? I mean, we both had this conversation in our last podcast that we talked about press at Borrego's press conference. Yeah, I felt like his comments about Dwight Howard were kind of muted a little bit. And we can play. You want to play the comments? I have sure. a comment here about Dwight Howard from Borrego at his press conference. Sure, let's hear JB. He was a productive player last year. You know, a guy that was healthy. Um, he protects the rim. He can roll through the basket. He can be your, your defensive rebounder that creates offense for you. Um, I think we're seeing a more spread floor right now. This is a guy that can play with space around him, space at the rim. Um, so this is a guy that uh, we see a lot of value in. Do you? All right. Okay. I don't, don't buy it. I don't, I don't think I buy it. I mean, based on what he discussed, that his game plan is going to be, his philosophy on offense, his offensive philosophy does not favor in any way, shape, or form a Dwight Howard-led offense or even featured offense. I mean, I don't think there's anything about it that you would say Dwight's going to have a good year this year. Dwight's going to thrive in this set. I just don't see it. I just didn't think that there was anything. I don't think you take anything positive away from what he said. At least you're feeling good. Maybe you can take, maybe you are believing that enough to dive right in, but I just don't know if I buy it a whole lot. If you read the transcript, I mean, the words he said are fine. They are words that we've heard about Dwight Howard uh, last season and the justification for bringing him here to the franchise to begin with. We've talked about this a lot. It's something that they had to do. They had no choice. If they had any chance of making the playoffs, they had to upgrade 
their front court. They took that chance. But you can't listen to those comments and then compare them with how Borrego talked about Kimba, how he talked about Nick Batum, and how he talked about Malik Monk and think that it was on the same level. He went in detail with every single other player except for this synopsis that he gave with Dwight Howard. Basically just some half-written paragraph that he just wanted to get out there and then he was done with it. And let's say this too. The question was from Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, and the question was... Not what do you think about Dwight Howard. The question was, is Dwight Howard relevant in today's NBA? (laughs) So here's his stats. Here's the things that he does. And we'll move on. Thank you. Next question. Now, I'm, I mean, I just don't see that there's a whole lot of future for Dwight. And again, it's it's probably the most complicated evaluation to do, to do because the the traditional box score for him, it looks good. The points looks good. The field goal percentage, you know, it still looks good, even though it's kind of down from where it had been in the past for Dwight Howard. His rebounds are still elite. He's, he's, he is one of the best rebounders in the NBA as it stands right now. Still one of the best, even at his age. But still, you wonder the kind of factor, the wonder the kind of effect he has on an offense. I just don't think it bodes well all that much for an efficient one. And, and even defensively, the team got worse defensively. It got worse as a team. And we had Tom Haberstroh, come on, the wake-up call. And he discussed that Dwight Howard coming onto this team, he was supposed to make that defense even better than what it already was, and it was already strong, and he made it worse. It's just, it's just weird to, to see the kind of effect he had on a team despite the traditional stats you look at individually. And when Steve Clifford was asked about a similar question, you know, is Dwight relevant in the NBA today, or are, are bigs like that relevant in the NBA today? And Steve Clifford said that, A lot of these bigs now are focusing on how they can extend their offensive game and develop three-point shots or develop mid-range shots when what they need to be doing is figuring out ways to adapt defensively to be able to do what Al Horford Mm. did against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Walker, Al Horford was guarding LeBron James one-on-one from the three-point line. And perhaps the move of the entire postseason is having Al Horford guard Ben Simmons in, in that series. And that's what's amazing. And Dwight Howard's not doing that. And Al Horford is. That's hot by Steve Clifford, by the way. You want something hot? That's hot. I think coming out I think Dwight. the problem with your tweet is that it's not hot enough. I think we should run <laughs> it through are you could, could you could we run this through the hot take machine? Sure, let's see let's see what the machine has. Let's to say. debut the hot take machine here on the podcast. If you're bad. a new listener, we bought this uh pennies on the dollar. Got this uh uh, during an ESPN fire sale, they they were selling this hot take machine, <laughs> patent pending. You run takes through this machine, and out comes an even hotter take. Uh, so here we go. Dwight Howard is gone if they have an opportunity. That's the that's the lukewarm take. Let's run it through the machine. <laughs> oh, that comes out nice and toasty. Yeah, give that, it to give that, me give me an even hotter take. That's a good take right there. I want yeah, I, now, you. Yeah, no, now. see, so is this is this how it goes? Yeah. Dwight Howard couldn't even dream of playing with the Charlotte Hornets next season. He wishes he would be a factor within that offense. Dwight Howard, more like dinosaur Howard. Let's now hold on. Now we need to we need to get this out here right now. That is not what we think. No. That is the hot that's what came out of the hot take machine. We're literally reading it off the paper from I'm the hot exclusively take. reporting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've heard it 
from within. Nah, I'm going from the hot now. take machine. It's too the hot. Hot take so machine was reporting it. Get that. Get that take machine. We have first. to. Yeah, we have to put that disclaimer out. Listen, <laughs> we are reading what the machine spits out. We are making the take hotter, and really upsetting people like Levi. It, who, it probably Levi didn't like it. He said, "Good thing Walker Mail is irrelevant." And so my Twitter. <laughs> that's a sick <laughs> burn. <laughs> so my Twitter. I'm locked out of it right now because I have phone problems. Wait, what? I'm locked out. Well, I'm not locked out of it. I didn't get kicked out or anything like that. You just I'm, can't access. I just can't access my Twitter account at this time. You can't respond to the haters. I can't respond to the haters at all. So I, my phone is, is messing up. I can't really get in. I can get into it time and like, yeah, every once in a while with how it is right now, my phone can't hold a charge. So every time I try to log in on the computer, it's because your takes are too hot. It makes me send a verification code. It sends one to my phone. So then I have to type it into the computer, say that I'm real, that I'm not breaking in, that this is indeed Walker Mail. And I can't get in on the computer now because I can't access my phone to type in the code that it just sent me. So now I'm locked out. So I can't respond to guys like Levi saying I'm irrelevant. I don't disagree with them. I'm just I just can't respond to it. Takes are so sizzling that it drains your battery. It's too sizzling. It drained my battery. The battery's basically fried because my takes are just too hot. We'll move on from Dwight Howard to Dwayne Bacon, one of the very few Hornets we have not featured yet, as I said. The second round pick from Florida State in last year's draft. He'll be the focal point of today's kind of the meat of the show as we wrap up the player evaluations. We'll tie up the loose ends on Borrego's press conference as far as Malik Monk is concerned. Again, that was held Friday. We played a lot of that sound from that presser. If you want to go back and check that out, but we'll be glad to get you caught up a little bit more today. Tomorrow is a day that has not been kind to the Hornets fans. It's lottery day where the ping pong balls never seem to work out for Charlotte. The GMs have not made their best choices either for Charlotte. So maybe you can give them some some flack or maybe you can um, look to that as why the Hornets have struggled here a little bit as well. But lottery day, not exactly celebrated here in Charlotte, but it is tomorrow. So hopefully the Hornets will get some lady luck on their side playoffs Borrego on monk lots of other stuff to get to here today on the locked on hornets podcast if you like what we're doing here make sure you are checking out what else the locked on podcast network has to offer including locked on panthers host bill Rossetti is getting you ready for the preseason with all of the news and analysis from charlotte to spartanburg subscribe now on apple Podcasts, google play spotify wherever you get your podcasts just search locked on panthers we're proud to be part of the locked on podcast network covering the biggest local stories in every single market. We'll take a break. We got Dwayne Bacon up next. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Unless Mitch has Buzz on his lap and Buzz is sort of... Santa vent- style? The, I like it. Oh Yeah, or ventriloquist, you know? <laughs> well, let's see how, how, how much ventrilo- ventriloquist yeah. are we going? <laughs> I don't think anything or I don't, I don't want to go that much. Whoa, yeah, I don't want to go with ventriloquist. Let's go. I like the Santa style a little bit more. Either one is creepy. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for joining us. Sticking around on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Conference finals started yesterday with the Cavs dropping game one in a route too. Boston just spanking them. Boston getting that dub by 25 points over Cleveland. Marcus Morris tried to tell us he was the LeBron stopper. We didn't believe him. We would not listen. But LeBron then has his worst game of the playoffs. I don't think that's a coincidence. Marcus Morris, the now newly dubbed LeBron stopper. 
Doug, are you wanting to go out on that limb again, saying that the Celtics are going to beat the Cavaliers just like we did with Toronto, or have you learned your lesson? Are you staying with Bron Bron? I'm not counting out LeBron. I'm also not counting out the Cavaliers figuring out a way to solve the Boston puzzle because Boston threw the kitchen sink at LeBron. It wasn't just Marcus Morris. Right. It was all of the, the entire Boston defense was focused on taking him away. And, and I'll tell you this, Walker, Boston is showing you the blueprint in the Eastern Conference better than any team, better than the Cavaliers. Everyone on that team is athletic enough to defend almost every position and they can close out and they can switch. They either have four players who can shoot threes and one monster underneath in, in Baines who is doing the dirty work, or they're putting five players out there who can shoot threes. That's the model. That's what the Hornets have to get to at some point. Well, and you have Baines being relevant, which is just a feat within itself. And Aaron Baines being a guy that's all of a sudden knocking down corner threes. Okay. I mean, that's it's insane what Brad Stevens is doing. And now you've seen him... Take away game one from LeBron. And look, we we keep disrespecting Boston because we thought the Milwaukee Bucks and Boston Celtics series was one. It was a close one, but a lot of people had Milwaukee even advancing because they had the best player on the floor in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And of course, the Bucks just have a decent amount of talent anyway. And that game did that series did go seven games. No one had them beating Philly and they go up and they beat Philly pretty handily five games. Then they move on to Cleveland, still no one giving them a chance, and they move on and at least to Game 2 with a 1-0 series lead. It's impressive what Stevens and the Boston Celtics are doing with that kind of positionless basketball across the 1-5. through Yeah, that, that core of Boston is relentless. They are not scared. They are not afraid of the moment. And, and you know, I said it in the Toronto series that, you know, five very good or five good does not beat a great, uh, but Al Horford right now is playing great. He's playing like, I mean, the, the the amount of threes he's knocking down with the defense that he's playing on LeBron James, I mean, come on. He's insane. And what's insane about this entire season is Jalen Brown really showed up, especially in the first half of yesterday's game. Jalen Brown was amazing. Jalen Brown's a different player than he even was in college, and it did not take two years even fully to get him to be a different player. It took him one season. Doug, in, in college, Jalen Brown shot under 30% from three. That was one of the biggest concerns about him coming out of college was his three-point shot. The guy shot 40% this year. It's unbelievable. He goes up 10 percentage points, shooting 39 and a half. Just for reference, it's what Reggie Miller shot for his entire career. Second quarter, Jalen Brown blocked a shot on one end, and then he, he hits J.R. Smith with a jab step and spot up three right in his eyeball. I mean, I did not expect that from Jalen Brown this early that kind of dead-eye shooting. And and that's the thing. You're getting that from almost every Celtic at this point. And if that continues, then it doesn't matter. I don't know if it matters what LeBron does if that continues. Well, and Tatum getting a lot of love, deservedly so. He's, he's a really fun rookie to watch. It looks like they, and it's just insane that the Celtics keep on getting richer as they trade down for Jason Tatum. They traded Markel Fultz, basically, to get down because... Again, there was rumors that they were going to take Jason Tatum even number one overall in that in the first place, and they moved down and they maximize it. It's it's quite the two headed monster they got with not any player combination up there, but with Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. And you make a great point, Walker, with all of the the miracles that Saint Brad Stevens is pulling off in Boston, turning these non shooters into shooters. Fair to say that's the kind of thing that the Hornets are looking for from Borrego to to make some shooting where. They haven't necessarily had it in Charlotte. 
We just need to get somebody here in Charlotte that's from good old small town USA, Indiana. Those Indiana <laughs> oh, boys, I'm go. telling you, Doug. There we go. <laughs> Those Indiana boys, they know how to shoot. I'm telling you, just just go to Zionsville and get another Brad Stevens and pluck one off the shooting tree. Boston figured it out. Danny Ainge went to the heart of basketball country in Indianapolis and the suburbs of Indianapolis. But I think that is a good point. Borrego coming in. Now he's going to have to try to help Malik Monk again, who was known as a shooter out of college, unlike Jalen Brown, did not shoot very well this year. Also, unlike Jalen Brown. So you hope that he can get some kind of improvement from Malik Monk where he's shooting. I mean, that's what you want. You want Malik Monk shoots 40% with the kind of shots that he takes right now. That's insane. And of course, the goal would be to get Malik Monk to shoot better shots. And I think Borrego mentioned that in an interview he had with Rick Bennell, but he does want him to shoot better shots. And I think that field goal percentage would go right up. Are you surprised that Borrego comes in and ties his wagon essentially tightly to the development of Malik Monk? I mean, he has gone out there and said, you know, Malik Monk is a guy that I'm responsible for making great or or basically defending the draft decision for Malik Monk. I'm responsible for that. Are you surprised that he's taking that kind of responsibility? I'm not surprised one bit because I think this is the play. It was written on the wall. This is the play. It's the easy answer for anybody to come in and just win the hearts of all the Charlotte Hornets fans. The Hornets fans want Malik Monk to be fantastic. They want him to be an all-star. They Everyone thought he was a steal at number 11. I'm raising my hand. I did. I thought he was a steal at 11. I was excited when he fell all the way to 11. I would have been right in Rich Joe's seat saying, Donovan Mitchell who? I I want Malik Monk. I was there. I'm not going to lie. I wanted Malik Monk just as much as anybody. So that's the easy play to come in here and stake your claim that Malik Monk is going to be the guy that you focus more than anything on. That there's a reason that you drafted him. There's a shot kind of towards Steve Clifford. and There's a lot of talent here and Borrego is mentioning that it's going to be a 12-month process to tap into that talent and try to exploit it as much as he can. It's the play you make if you're a head coach being introduced in that press conference and you want a lot of fans over, even if you didn't hear anything else he had to say. That was something that really resonated with a lot of Hornets fans, and I'm not surprised at all because it just seems so obvious to me that was the play, but he delivered it well also. Yeah, here's the quote from the Observer article from Borrego on Malik Monk. Quote, He's what I'm looking for in playing the style I want to play. He can get to the rim. He can create his own shot. He can shoot it out to three. He can play make for us. I see him as a playmaker who can play with Kimba and also be on the court without Kimba creating offense for us or pairing him and Nick Batum in a lineup where Nick is facilitating. Well, we knew he could be on the court without Kimba because the size, I think that's the problem is can you have both of those guys on the court at the same time? Because Kimba right now is by far your best player. And Malik Monk, you're hoping, will become your best player, or at least second in that regard. That's the that's the theory, is to get both of these guys to somehow be able to coexist on the court in the backcourt, being that small, not being 6'3 or more. Of course, Malik Monk still has that potential growth spurt where he can hit to maybe go up to 6'5", 6'6", something like that. But as of right now, you have Kimba and Malik Monk being under 6'3", and it's just a small defensive backcourt that you have. It's, it's all about, like Jalen Rose likes to say it, When you discuss positions, it's really all about who you can guard when you're saying this guy's a five. Well, it means he can guard the five. All right. I mean, but we're seeing positionless basketball ever so much in the past even five years. You know, Malik Monk, if it's who you can guard, it's probably just a one with a size unless you have a smaller two. And then it's kind of hopeful thinking at that point. 
And Hornets, they were not necessarily bad at shooting the three-point shot last year. 36.9% on the year. That ranked eighth in the NBA, but it was just volume. 21st in the league in three-point attempts. So the Hornets were being smart. I mean, it was players that could hit three-point shots were taking them, but too often you had players, you had two or three players on the court in Michael Carter-Williams, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Dwight Howard that couldn't shoot threes, well, yeah. and you got less opportunity. And the other two things I think you have to factor in real quickly with that particular stat is, one, Malik Monk brings that down because he did bring, he did shoot a decent amount, so he has to bring it down for a little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. And also you can go to cleaning the glass, right, where it does get rid of that garbage time. Frank Kaminsky shoots 38%. You look at that and think, oh, that's really good. But also, how much of that was in garbage time when you're turning it off? Again, it's what your heart says about Frank Kaminsky. It's not reflected in the traditional stats, but it is reflected when you get rid of garbage time. And then what you see is reflected. Do we have breaking news? Breaking Malik Monk news. He's on Instagram, and he's shouting out all the mamas in the world. (laughs) Okay. Happy Mother's Day to these two strong women. Love y'all. Mama and Auntie Hope. And shout he, out to Auntie Hope. Shout out to all. Is that the moms. Rudy Gay? Who is that? He there's a there's a guy in that picture. Does that not look like Rudy Gay to you? It's sort certainly a Rudy doppelganger. It is. If not, I it, I thought that was Rudy Gay. I thought there was going to be some kind of shout out to Rudy Gay. I I thought it would look. It looks exactly like him. Shout out to Rudy Gay. His mama. Everybody. Knows. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to everybody on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Rudy. So Malik Monk again. It's a guy that Borrego has tied himself to, and I I'm not surprised about it at all. I mean, are you surprised, Doug? Or are you just a little bit surprised about how much he's dove in head for first? Or because I'm st- even with the even with the adamant adamant tone of this, I'm still not even surprised he's going all in on. I get it from the sense that, again, it is a reaction to the previous regime that did not totally buy into uh, what Malik Monk was going to offer on on both ends of the floor. And and you heard him say about player development that it's it's not all about completing the puzzle all at once. You can't get too caught up in that. You have to play to a player's strength. And it's interesting that you heard Steve Clifford talk about that in terms of Dwight Howard wanting to play towards his strength. But then there were other players that you know, that, that didn't necessarily happen for, you know, it had to be a two-way player or, or bust and Borrego coming out and saying, basically, I believe in Malik Monk. That makes sense because I think the franchise wants Malik Monk to, to be a star player in this league. I am surprised at just how bold he is about saying, you know, it's my responsibility to make Malik Monk great. I respect it. But at the same time, it's, you know, if Malik Monk doesn't develop that's it's a risky play as what I'm saying, Walker. It, it is risky. It is risky. But at the same time, he might just be hyped up. <laughs> he might just come in wanting to do this, be hyped up, say, yeah, guys, Malik Monk. Hell yeah. That guy's going to be awesome when I'm done with it. how much control does he necessarily have over that? That's my thing. How much is in the, the coach's hands and how much of it is Malik Monk just saying, I want to become better at defense. I'm going to dedicate my summer to completing my game and not just focusing on my offense, that that's out of Borrego's control. I don't know if Borrego knows that, though. Well, well, it, I think he does. I think he does know that because Curtis Polk mentioned and Borrego mentioned that it's a 12-month process. In that interview with Curtis Polk, which was telling in a lot of ways, we discussed it. It's kind of like you got to have a babysitter for some of these guys. And that's not an indictment on Malik Monk's character in any way, shape, or form. But I do think that Borrego understands him implementing that phrase, right? Guys, this is a 12-month process. I believe that's how development works. You need to be on it every single day, every single week, every single month of the year. And I think I don't think that was a coincidence that he was sure to mention that. 
And I think Borrego does get it. I just think he believes that Malik Monk can turn into a good player. I don't doubt that he actually believes that he has some potential there. I'm not saying this is all fabricated. I'm just saying that he's going all in with it because it's the right play. He probably believes a little bit and he sees something that he can work with there. He gets that how he needs to do it, at least in his own mind. What I'm saying is that too often, especially when you get into a, a position of power, and and a position of power that is so limited, like an NBA head coach, that there are only thirty of them. Walker, I but nobody that. gets that, and that's why we have Dwayne Casey out on the outside looking in. Right, but when you get that position of power, there is this um, fallacy, I think, that you can control everything about your team. You can make this player great. If only, if only they they heard from you, you could make them great. And oftentimes. It is just up to the player and and their desire and their ability to commit and and when you tie your wagon so tightly to one player, I I just think it's risky. No, it, it is risky and and I completely agree with all of that. I mean, Doug, I've been sitting here discussing that we need to change our philosophy on how we evaluate head coaches. Again, we discussed it with the Dwayne Casey and the Brett Brown situation, where Brett Brown guy wins over fifty games and people want him out. Dwayne Casey wins fifty nine. And Jonas Valanciunas' tip-in doesn't go in, and LeBron hits a crazy bank shot, and now Dwayne Casey's out? Got to win 60. You got if, if you don't win 60, then you're just not getting it done. If you don't beat Trash. LeBron, you know, Doc Rivers is, and Stan Van Gundy, the last two guys in the Eastern Conference to do it, right? I mean, it was the Magic and it was the Celtics were the last to beat LeBron James in the Eastern Conference, and that's it. You know, Stan Van Gundy on the outside looking in right now. King Slayer or trash. Right, that's, yeah, right. I mean, Those are the two options. There is no in-between. And it's funny. We are joking and we're not joking. It, it is. There is no in-between. And if you're Ty Lue, probably not the greatest ex in the nose mind in the world. Probably not the greatest head coach in the world. But you have LeBron James winning your games and Ty Lue is going to keep his job. Right? I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it, but I'm saying this is how we evaluate people. Man, it's a very win or go home kind of league. And I'm, I'm here for that. I get that it's a results business. I like to think there's a little bit of nuance in trying to evaluate how everything, every single one of these things happens every once in a while. It speaks to the power that, that NBA players have today in the landscape. And not just, I'm not talking about DeMar DeRozan or, or Kyle Lowry and how much pull they have. What I'm talking about is that players in free agency want to go places where they feel like there is a, there is a head coach and a front office that can win them a championship. And if they don't believe that both of those pieces are in place, they just won't even talk to you. And I think Toronto, there's a, I think there's a sense not only in Toronto, but in Philadelphia and other places that we have to have those things aligned or we're going to miss out on the top free agents. Well, and and I, I know we need to get Dwayne Bacon, but real quickly, who are the Raptor, who are the Raptors zeroing in on? They're zeroing in on Mike Budenholzer. What did Mike Budenholzer do? He was the Raptors before the Raptors were the Raptors. <laughs> he got four All-Stars. He got four of them. And he still couldn't get past LeBron. He was pre-prehistoric. He couldn't get past LeBron with four All-Stars with the Atlanta Hawks. The Indiana Pacers are the closest thing to ever competing with LeBron, and they weren't going to get past him in these seven-game series. They just weren't. Mike Boonholzer is going to get this job, and he already did what Dwayne Casey did before Dwayne Casey did it. This is this is the NBA as we know it, man. This is this is the world we live in. I think it's clear who the Toronto Raptors need to hire as their next head coach. <laughs> who is it? It's LeBron James. It's LeBron. I don't it's doubt. LeBron brings. What I said. LeBron James needs to be the head coach. All right, let's go on to the other rookie for the Charlotte Hornets team. We mentioned Malik Monk a little bit earlier, and how Borrego is tying himself to Malik Monk. Dwayne Bacon, though, 
Dwayne Bacon, a guy that actually showed you some promise as a second-round pick last season. The NBA draft lottery will be held tomorrow as well. Do the Hornets have a better shot of getting the number one pick, or does some other improbable event have a better shot of happening? We'll be back with the odds. We'll be back with Dwayne Bacon. Find out next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We don't want that Pacers talk. You got to respect the satchel. We don't want that Cavs talk. What you got, Doug? (laughs) I have the entirety. I turned this satchel a little loud today. <laughs> Be quiet, satchel. No, we're ba- it's a club banging in here. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Discussing Dwayne Bacon got a little sidetracked with a lot of other stuff. I promised a Dwayne Bacon-dedicated podcast. We'll get to it now. The Hornets drafted Dwayne Bacon in the second round last year. The rare second-round pick that actually stuck around here for the Charlotte Hornets. And unlike Malik Monk, Bacon had the body as a sophomore coming out of Florida State. He's a versatile defender. You have to believe he has the potential on that end, if nothing else. Not that efficient shooting at least his rookie season, but I think he even showed you some potential with a nice shot. It's not like his shot is completely broke. And I think you have to have some faith in Dwayne heading into next season. I think you had faith in Jeffrey Taylor when he was a second-round pick. Of course, he was accused of domestic violence, and that derailed his NBA career. It was a guy that had promise, but that was the last guy that you thought had some promise coming into the NBA season. The other second-round pick history for the Charlotte Hornets doesn't exactly bold or doesn't actually bode a lot of confidence in what they were able to do for the future. But Bacon. Looks like a guy that it was worthy to take a chance on. And Steve Clifford mentioned that he has the potential to be a starter in this league, which I think you have to take. If you take a 40th overall pick, you take a chance on that kind of selection. I think you have to be pleased with what you saw from Dwayne last year. Haven't heard much about Dwayne Bacon, though. No? He's kind of flying under the radar right now, which is probably, I think, where where Bacon wants to be at this point. I think he wants to kind of be under the radar. He He feels like a guy that just wants that wants that drive, wants that chip. Is that is that the kind of guy he kind of looks like? Like a chip? I feel you. He just he just looks like a guy that just wants a little bit of a little bit of adversity and proving people wrong. That's just how his demeanor always came off to me as somebody that that wants to go out there and I think and, he and can prove people wrong. I think he can. I think Dwayne can. I mean look I I liked him in college and I you know watched him again if you're an ACC fan, you probably paid attention to him a little bit with Florida State. I mean, he was getting some lottery love as a freshman, as a guy coming in, playing as a very young Seminole. I mean, the, obviously the athleticism is there. I mean, he he was a good basketball player, getting that kind of love, and then the shooting probably brought him down a little bit, shooting 29 his freshman year. I think 33 from beyond the arc his sophomore season. But well, again, absolutely a risk worth taking at 40th overall. He's a player that's a lot bigger than Donovan Mitchell, but last season he really reminded me of Donovan Mitchell and the way that he maneuvers around the court. I mean, his ball handling skills, the way he can get to a particular spot on the floor was very Donovan Mitchell-like. It just, he didn't have the Donovan Mitchell results. The ball just was not quite finding the hoop, and that will be the big determining factor in, in how much run Bacon can get is, it will his three-point shooting improve? It's a shot that he's sort of, uh, you know, been tinkering with for a while, uh, well, that turnaround, uh, that, that's that's going to be a big factor. And I think a realistic goal to where Charlotte Hornets fans would be more than happy 
is to see Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk get some serious PT where they have obviously improved. Malik Monk shooting 40%, Dwayne Bacon being respectable from the on the arc. And probably what? Even, I mean, is it is it fair to guess that, I mean, I don't know, Dwayne, could he average double digits? It's probably a little lofty, but at least getting you seven to eight points a game and seeing a big improvement from him in his sophomore season. But who? where does that playing time come from? That's well, the big question. And Travion Graham is probably the guy I was thinking probably has a little bit more of an upper hand on him than Dwayne does. And that is even if they bring back Travion. Because Travion is going to cost a little bit of money. You know, Rick Rick says it all the time. Again, we talk with Rick all the time on the wake-up call here on the podcast as well. But I've heard him mention a lot about Travion playing himself into earning a little bit more money, where a lot of other teams have kind of taken notice. Oh, this is a, a really, really low risk to bring him on for not much money, but enough to where maybe he's going to be blocking some of these younger guys from getting that job over him. And do they move Lamb in order to free up some space for a possible front court piece and or a backup point guard and does that open up some minutes on the wing for monk and and bacon these are the kind of things that we have to pay attention to moving forward through the offseason yeah i i have uh, i have a lot of faith i i don't look i'm not going to give you some hot take we can save the hot take machine for some dwight howard takes that we have but i do think that Dwayne bacon does have some promise i think it is an exciting player as a second round pick so we'll get moving along thanks for sticking around on the lockdown hornets podcast walker mail and doug branson here with you we have the nba draft lottery tomorrow that'll be fun For pretty much everyone else, except usually Charlotte Hornets fans, they always get the short end of the stick on this night. Is there a way that the Hornets could move out of the lottery? Because that's what I'm expecting. Because that's that's probably just the ping pong ball that's dealt to you. Now, we did play this the other day. I did try to see how many times it would take to get the number one overall pick on the ESPN draft lottery machine. Not long. Only two minutes. And I think it, it it wasn't too many times. Oh, yes! If you like that, if you like some of these odds for you, I mean, the ESPN, at least that little website, that little game, that simulation that you can run, it worked for me a little bit, but who knows? Who knows what the pick is going to be for the Charlotte Hornets? Again, it's the 11th best odds. They don't have the best. We've been doing this next segment every other day or so on Charlotte's odds to get the number one overall pick, um, whether they'll get that one or if, if you have better odds of flying with a drunk pilot or getting audited by the IRS. Other highly improbable events we've been doing. What has the better odds with these crazy events or whether the Hornets will get the number one overall pick. So with that being said, we'll play this game again. Doug, let's guess the odds. All right. So the draft lottery special is on Tuesday night at 730 p.m. on ESPN. The Hornets have a 0.8 percent chance or one in 125 odds of landing that sweet, sweet number one overall pick. Right where we want to be, Doug. 2.9% chance of landing a top three pick, so slightly better odds there. (laughs) Embarrassment of riches with those odds. (laughs) 2.9? Now you're talking my language. Uh, So we'll stick with the number one overall pick and say, all right, do the Hornets have a better chance of getting the number one overall pick or that their baby will be born with teeth? I didn't even know this was possible. This is a weird one. (laughs) Could be born with teeth. I didn't know that either. I would think that's, yeah, that's, that's really weird. I'm going to, oh man. Again, when do babies start teething? Do you have any clue on this? Apparently right out of the womb. Okay, right. It's well, depending on the odds, right? Eating just comes out of the womb, eating an apple. I'll I'll say. Give me that apple, baby. (laughs) I'll say, I'll say, I'll say baby teeth. That has a better shot of happening. 
Ooh, I'm sorry. That's incorrect. That Hornets have better crazy. odds that a baby being born with teeth. That's one in 3,000 babies. Oh, God. Are born. That's my, that's my worst miss. With chompas. That's my worst miss so far. I just think, I thought that would be a little bit more probable than the Hornets, but I was way wrong on that one. It's probably my worst miss. I've probably, I've missed what, two now? Is that right? Have You've I been missed? pretty good. I've missed three. We'll play again tomorrow. It'll be the last time. And I'm hoping to have a pretty respectable free throw percentage. I'm kind of hoping for that, maybe like an 80%. So let's say I'm what? I'm, I think I'm like six for eight, something like that. That's respectable. Is that, does that seem about right to, to, am I, am I making that up? I'm hoping to go out. Maybe if we do a couple tomorrow, hoping to go eight for 10 and then 80% is pretty respectable. That's a good trip to the charity stripe. I like that. I feel like that's good. All right, we'll see if we can do it again. All right, tomorrow, the draft lottery, we'll focus on that. The history of the draft lottery, we'll dive in a little bit on how it has not been so kind to the Charlotte Hornets. Got some other things going on tomorrow as well. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. Thanks again. I'm Walker Mel. Alongside Doug Branson, we'll talk to you again tomorrow.